Building wealth isn't just about hustle and grind. Every day, huge deals are being made and a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward. Building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. What makes them different? They chose to break away, to build a mindset of abundance, to spot opportunities others overlook. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big, and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the founder of Create Tailwind and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Good morning. Welcome to the Breakaway Wealth podcast and uh with uh i'm jim oliver your host and with me today is nick costco all the way from uh, louisville kentucky how's the weather in louisville today nick it is terrible it's uh we're getting we're in the middle of getting three or four inches of rain it's a little cold but it feels like fall it's good thanks for having me on yeah thanks um and also today we're uh welcoming another our guest who actually is in uh, louisville kentucky too mike gandolfo and uh Welcome, Mike. Hey, I get called Matt my entire life. I just did I say Matt? Young, he almost did, didn't he? And that's my younger. No, no, no. Brother. I just stuttered. I'm a stutterer. That's just no. The way no that's all right. That's all right. Listen, I, get I am so used to being called Matt. I'm glad that I could contribute some hair to this episode. So uh, <laughs> I am too. I am too, because we we are definitely uh, uh, we're we're lacking in that area, aren't we? Politically <laughs> challenged. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, at least in the mornings, we don't have to worry about what, you know, if we look different in the morning versus in the afternoon and on a windy day. So, that's right. Um, and, uh, you know, Mike uh, uh, is in the uh, real estate business and is, uh, is very successful in the Louisville area. And he has a unique pers uh, perspective on the real estate industry and breaking away using real estate and um, just some of the things that he's done in his life. But give us just a little background, uh, Mike, on yourself and and how you know how you got to this point in your career. Yeah, so you know um, I've got the typical like you know hard life story, right? I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth and just uh, basically didn't really have any wants as a kid. Um, so I'm not very interesting on in that if you're talking about the guy who overcomes obstacles and challenges. But um, Nick and I actually ended up going to high school together, a really nice, prestigious, all-boys Catholic high school here in Louisville, and that's where him and I met 27 years ago, and um, that community was always really special, but I, I found that, you know, education, the education piece, the way it's taught really came really easy to me, and I didn't really have to work really hard, and I went to college basically because that was the nat next natural step, but, it, you know, I'm probably like a lot of people who graduated with a degree that I never used. And I knew on graduation day that I was never going to use my degree and just kind of went through that whole thing. And just, and I remember graduating from college and just feeling really lost and not knowing uh, what I wanted to do. Luckily I had, um, I was getting to get married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, she's been my rock the entire way. So even though it was a tough time in my life of figuring out where, what road to take, what path to take, um, I had her always as a foundation. So I, I decided to, um, I actually was going to go leave and become a, a major league baseball umpire. And I was signed up to go to umpiring school. And then in the meantime, I need to do something. So I started coaching, um, and teach and substitute teaching. And I really enjoyed that. So I decided to go back to school, um, and get my, 
master's in the arts of teaching, although I never finished that. The um, I'm, I'm really jaded against the whole education lie that's out there right now in the education process, but um, and the value of education that's not really there. Um, if, if someone wants me to talk to their kid about that they should go to college, it's probably I'm probably not the best person for them to talk to. All right. Uh, <clears throat> just because of what's taught and what you can really go teach yourself. And really that what where that came from for me is I, I went and I actually um, went back to the school that Nick and I graduated from and taught for two years, ended up getting it. Um, I had basketball coaching job and, and was the athletic director at another small high school here in Louisville. And basically just, I just, after doing that, I was 30 years old. I had a kid on the way. I had already had one kid. I just wanted to do something else. And so I got into real estate kind of out of a out of necessity, maybe I was like, all right, I want to continue to coach basketball, but I don't want to be in the classroom. I can do this real estate thing. It gets slower in the winter time. My dad was already in the real estate business, so he can kind of help cover me a little bit if I get busy and it conflicts with basketball, but I got into real estate really to coach basketball. Wow. And, that was nice. and I was really fortunate to within the first 30 days of the real estate industry, I was introduced to, um, the concept of how to run your business by referral and not do the traditional sales techniques that are out there. And, you know, this is a time in real estate. So this is 2006 where real estate was really kind of searching for an identity. And for all the years before real estate uh, professionals were the keepers of all the information. Like if they had these, and Jim probably remembers this because he's old, but they had these MLS books, right? And you, yeah, and real estate that. agent had the MLS book. And the only way you really knew it was on the market is if you went to the real estate professional who had the MLS book. Well, you know, 2006, we started to see online, things become more and more accessible online. And really my real estate career has kind of uh, gone right alongside all of the um, influx of the artificial intelligence in the real estate business. So I like, <clears throat> for example, and I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. So if you have a question, okay. Stop me. Yeah. So for example, in 2008, there was about, there was about $30 million spent by real estate agents on online lead generation and online lead generation tools. And now we're in the billions of dollars of what real estate agents spend on that. And you would think that that's, that, oh, it's obvious that, you know, if I want to go find my realtor, I go, I go search online and, and people who do that know what that's like, because you're going to in, inquire about a house and you're going to get about 45 phone calls and text messages and emails. And it's, you feel like, you know, they're just coming at you like a bunch of sharks. But the, the funny thing is in 2008, when there was only about $30 million spent on online lead generation, 9% of people found their realtor online. And today when there's billions of dollars spent, 9% of people find the realtor they use online. However, more people today are using a realtor than ever before. So you know what that says to me? And this goes back to what I see maybe in, in your story of your background is you kind of, we always talk about there's two lines that people stand in in their lives. And it's kind of like if we were going to a movie theater and there's two different movies playing is you were standing in the, um, in the reassuring lie line that, Hey, I'm going to go back to the high school that I, that I went to, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to have a pension. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to coach basketball, which is my passion. And that's what I have to do. If I want to coach basketball 
And then something happened and you had this aha moment and this epiphany at 30 and said, wait a minute, if I owned my own business, controlled my own destiny, controlled my own calendar, I could do basketball and all these things opened up to you. And at the same time, you started to get into the Buffini mindset of referrals and how to act differently and break out of that. And maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So 2006, you know, the real estate market was still on, it was on the upswing, but it was coming down. Right. So people talk about that. I got in real estate, like the worst possible time. And, and it really started to um, manifest itself really clearly because, you know, I dedicate myself. So I've just to be clear, I've never in my 12 years in the real estate business, I've ever closed a, an internet lead. Okay. Just want to make sure that that's out there. Everything. Um, 90% nine percent of my stuff has been by referral only and when I got when I saw the value of um, really the way that my I my my dad before he got in the real estate business um, worked for a car dealership in town we actually were the oldest Lincoln Mercury dealership in the entire United States and so my grandfather my mom's father owned the car dealership and my grandfather had been teaching me how to work by referral mm. his entire life but I just didn't realize it until I started get in the real estate business. I mean, he would have, he would have people come hundreds and hundreds of miles to buy cars from his dealership because of the way that they were treated and they were treated like family and they weren't really necessarily sold to, but they were put in the best situation for them uh, that they need to be in. And meanwhile, we know the car industry is full of salespeople who are just trying to get a, a check and do it the uh, most profitable way possible. And if they can upsell you into something else, they're going to do it. And, and so it was very countercultural at that time. Well, real estate was the same thing when I got into it and the idea of working by relationship and really serving the need of need of a client and on the transactional and the emotional side was not something that was very well, you know, it was not very popular. You know, it, it was a find them, please them, forget them kind of mindset. And in some ways it still is. It's just now it's done digitally instead of, uh, and, and, and no so way. I, what's that? There's no relation. It's it it drives to not having relationships in the in, in the transaction. Like right. everyone else is is transactional. You're driving at the relationship so that someone wants to buy instead of being sold to. Exactly that, and then also just the advantage that gives me on the negotiation side. Yeah. Right. It's so it's so big on that, and that's that's really what people want us to do what they want to pay us to do so um but it, it's that that when you're talking about the two lines and the real estate world you know for example the perception does not meet the reality and unfortunately the reason that is is because the real estate agents don't even really know what they're supposed to be doing and so how can we expect the public to know what they're supposed to be doing so in the um and the reassuring lie line, which is not reassuring at all, actually, because if you go to Google and you just put realtors all in the search bar, it fills in with realtors are scumbags, overpaid, you know, <laughs> there's nothing positive that pops up on that thing at all. And which is such a shame because we're helping people until they meet you all generally make the largest investment that they make. And it's also where they, you know, are going to raise their families and where they're going to live their lives. And there's, so there's an emotional and a financial component to every real estate transaction. And the person who helps you do that should take that very seriously. Like, like my profession should be regarded and not uh, look as like a necessary evil. 
And that's really like, I'm finding more and more that's my passion is to get to change that perception, have the perception meet the reality and get real estate professionals to understand what it is they really do. So when you look at that, Mike, and you, you, uh, you, you decided or you discovered that, that working by relationship and referral was really the only way you were going to build your business. You came across an organization called the Buffini and company. Yep. Right. Buffini and company. And which is the largest uh, uh, coaching organization in the United States. Is that right? For small businesses? That's what, uh, that's what they say. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, we have no reason to doubt. We have no reason. The guys, they've had a huge impact on my life and several of my friends' lives. So there's no. So how did, how did that come? Just give me the 30 second version of how, how did you find Buffini and, um, and, you know, really kind of tell me a little bit about your journey with Buffini and how you've come, you've risen to the top of Buffini in the organization. And I'll let you tell that a little bit. Hey, um, hey Mike, don't leave yeah. out the details of those boxes in the early days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, isn't it nice when you have a guy that's known you for 27 years interviewing you because he knows where the bodies are buried, Mike. <laughs> Listen, I mean, that's, I could sit here and I, the, the best interviews are the people who always talk about, you know, not always just the good times, but talk about the bad times too. And, and yeah. cause that's where the making of you really comes. Absolutely. So the, luckily the brokerage that I affiliated with that after I got out of real estate school for about six months, they required their new agents to take the Brian Buffini's back then it was called a hundred days to greatness. Um, and ironically enough, they, I could tell that they weren't really fully bought into it because the hundred day program, they only did with us for about, probably about four weeks. And then they kind of said, all right, well, you know, you all got the gist of it, you know, go with it. And uh, I was like, I, I felt kind of cheated actually uh, out of that whole principle. <laughs> right. So, but I at least knew I had been indoctrinated enough in the working by referral system to know that um, this is how I wanted to, to work. And so I, um, I contacted Buffini and company. I signed up for their, um, just basic level membership, which means we basically got a marketing kit uh, back then every every month. And so I just collected, this is what Nick's talking about. I just collected these boxes over, over the course of the next you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, did you open them at all? Did you get note oh, cards out of it? Anything stickers? Some of them, some of them were sent out. It just wasn't done consistently. And we all know that the secret to success is the small things done on a consistent basis. I mean, that's, that is what that's winning right there. You know, it's the fundamentals done consistently over, um, a long period of time because that's anybody can be successful. It's just, most people aren't willing to put in that time and discipline. get consistent and discipline. Right. So, and I'm not, I'm not perfect with it now. And I know, you know, and it's still manifest pretty good life for us. So, um, but it came to a point where I was collecting these boxes and Buffini and company does a lot of events and they were going to, I, I was always the guy was like, well, listen, I can motivate myself. I don't need to go to an event. This is kind of silly that I'm even thinking about. Well, they were doing a free event in Indianapolis. It was, um, it was a one day, um, it was a small room, but they were basically doing it to try to get people to sign up to their bigger event in Chicago. So I go, I enjoyed the Indianapolis event. They're pitching the Chicago event. And my sister at the time lived in Chicago. And it just happened to be that that Chicago event was over my dad's birthday weekend. So I was like, all right, we're going to go to Chicago. I'm going to get this. I'm going to sign my dad up for his birthday to go to this event. 
you know, back then it cost a, a couple hundred dollars, maybe $300. And, um, we're going to go and this will be his birthday present. We'll be able to spend his birthday with my sister. And it's the first Buffini live event I went to. Um, and I've gone to like 40 cents. Um, and it really was, they, back then they were called turning points. And for me, it really was a turning point. I signed on, I got a coach, um, even though like financially, I did not know how that me getting a coach was going to be paid for. I've had a coach now ever since then. So for, it's almost been 11 years to the date that I've had a coach. Um, and I've just really worked with this program. And once you're in the coaching, well, you get to go to these events for free. And then my coach wanted me to go to this other event that was more on the personal, um, on personal development. This whole time though, I've been really diving into personal development on my own. And so I eventually paid to go to that event. And now I, you know, I, there's another event that I've added on there, but I just kind of just kept on showing up. And I, and I know for me, I need to go to about three or four events a year to kind of recalibrate myself. And then just to know that, uh, because we all drift, Right. And Nick, be, Nick, with his background in the airlines industry, knows that if you're off one degree leaving Los Angeles on a trip to New York, you're going like, to end up like, what, 200 miles away from New York? Hopefully in so, Naples. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the, drift is, the drift is real, and I need those Buffini events and be around that group of Buffini people to kind of help just recalibrate. And so from that, just this, this formation of a philosophy and the way that I view the business has all come um, full circle and it's been really impactful and powerful. And I, I, I love that I've got a community of people that values my opinion that I get to give back to you. And that's kind of where it is now. So, so, and you've got small groups that you, that you share with, you know, the one thing that you said right there um, that really stands out, no matter what business you're in, no matter what you're doing is you said, I just kept showing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny that in life people have this fear, so they don't try to do anything and, and, you know, sometimes it's just showing up and there's only one thing that cures fear, you know, action, action right. cures fear, right? The magic of thinking big, doc, uh, David Schwartz, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, now we won't go as far as G Gordon Liddy and for people who haven't read that book, we'll let you read the book and find out what he did to overcome his fear. But, um, and I have the same fear, but I'm just going to still continue to be afraid of rats and just, I'm going to just avoid them. How's that? Uh, but, uh, uh, so when you think of, um, just that abundant mindset that Buffini and reinforces that your group reinforces, you know, what's the, what's the scarcity mindset in real estate or like from an investor standpoint and what's the abundant mindset and how does somebody make that, get across that epiphany bridge to the abundant mindset? Well, on the real estate, on the realtor, real estate business side of things, you know, most I, well, I don't know if I want to classify it. There, the scarcity mindset is rampant in the, in the realtor side. You know, they want to protect their leads. But if you're, if you're going after a lead that really is only value to you is the actual lead and you have to follow up on a hundred people just to get one because that's the, that's the internet um, lead yeah. formula and you're spending $12,000 a month to get that conversion rate, you know, you're going to have a scarcity mindset because, but on my end, the abundance mindset happens because I meet a person and I know that that person, if I treat them the right way, is going to become this walking, talking billboard for what I do. 
and I feel better because I'm giving to them. And um, the natural next thing for them to do is to kind of is to is to give back, right? So the um, the law of reciprocity, right? The law of reciprocity. And so we get you know you know someone um, who we do a good job for. They want to connect us with their friends and family because it's such a different experience than what they've had. Um, you know, no one's going to say Mike and is a scumbag. It is overpaid, all that other kind of stuff. All that stuff is not going to happen. You might want to say that about the real estate world, but that's not what happens when you work with a Buffini agent. So, um, and the power of that, by the way, Jim, just the, that Buffini world represents about 1% of the realtors in North America, just under 1% actually. And, we are a part of one out of every eight real estate transactions. Wow. So that will tell you right there, just like the power of, of the abundance mindset is I'm going to help you and I'm going to give to you freely. And I know that that's going to come back to me full circle and not necessarily because we're beating you over the head and asking you for referrals, but, but because that service is means so much. And then we build a community within our, um, uh, our people. As far as the investor goes, you know, I, I don't know on the, uh, on the abundance and scarcity mindset. I think right now what we see um, on the, the, best, what, the best time to buy a piece of real estate would have been 20 years ago or, you know, when you had the idea a long time ago. The next best time to buy a piece of real estate is now, right? Right. So, because we know the, how things appreciate, we know all that other kind of stuff. So you can come back and you can say, well, interest rates are this or it, whatever. I mean, our interest rate right now, historically are still extremely good, but I yeah. get it. They're higher than the, what they were two, three years ago. Okay. And I, they're going up. So, right. you know, knowing that where you're at, the market's hot, you've got a lot of competition, but if you can find a piece of real estate that fits your criteria, it's a great time to do it because you know, you're going to get that appreciation appreciation in the future you're going to have the cash flow and um you know it can be scary i know to get into the real estate investor game and you are worried about like you know are you going to buy a money pit but if you can find the right real estate professional who's trust trustworthy who knows what they're doing and has the team of people behind them to help you be successful um it can be a really good thing so one of the Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. I was going to, you taught me something. You, you got to talking about through, um, uh, by going to the Buffini events and through the coaching there, uh, you started talking in an uncommon way about business ownership, about being your, your, your owner operator. And we got a lot of business owners that listen to this and, and you get sucked in and you're doing the, the CEO, the COO, the CFO activity all at one desk. And how that can be just, it's, it's first and foremost, it's, it's unsustainable, it's maddening, it can be self-destructive. Um, what did you do to, to separate those activities and, and have such a, you, you've got a, a really nice life. You're peaceful, you've got, you're, you're doing some uncommon things in that regard. What have you done there? I'm married well. My wife just does all of it. So that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> so the, the people who are listening to this who know me will laugh about that. So um, <laughs> that's why I work with her selling and buying property. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, uh, the first step to that, Nick, I think is really kind of putting your boundaries in. And this is something that our profession has a very hard doing. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud talks about in his book called Boundaries that if you don't set your own boundaries, then someone else will, and you're not going to like it. And, you know, that goes back to even when you respond to email, right? So if you get a, a seller who sends you an email at 11 o'clock at night and you happen to see it 
if you respond to that email, all you're doing is giving them permission that it's okay, I work at 11 o'clock at night. Or the person who says they're 24 seven. Well, I, I'm telling you right now, if you get a real estate agent tells you that they work 24 seven, you need to turn around and run the other way because you cannot maintain a peak state if you're on all the time. You can't right. do it. And so you have to know that, you know, I, you want the person, and, no, and, and realistically, no one expects anyone to be 24 seven. You know, no one would want to be 24 seven for the, you know, and so they don't expect that either. Um, so I think instilling the proper boundaries, taking a day off, making sure that you have a time where your, your day shuts off, how you schedule, how you organize your day. But now it's kind of transcended into, um, I'm reading this book called Traction uh, for the second time with a group of uh, guys in the Buffini world. And just knowing how you separate those roles out, because if, anyone's ever read the e-myth revisited it starts off talking about the person who loved to bake pies and so they open a bakery but they don't understand yeah. that there's these other aspects to the business and those other aspects of the business actually make that person hate baking pies so yeah. it's it's tapping into your gifts natural gifts and abilities what are your talents where are you best serving your business so that you can increase the value of your day by recognizing the activities that you need to be doing and delegating everything else Right. Yeah. And getting those things off your plate. Does that so, answer? Is that what you were thinking, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I appreciate it. No problem. So Mike, you know, when, uh, when we talk to people and we're talking about building wealth, you know, without wall street, without brokers, without, um, without, kind of, without financial brokers, you want real estate brokers. That's right. Without okay. financial <laughs> brokers. Right. I'm sorry. Let, let me, let me clarify. Um, and Here's we want, uh, uh, you know, we want to break away from that system because, you know, you're really playing a game that, that, that somebody else is better at and they know how to get money to flow to them instead of flow to you. And you just don't know that they're playing a different game. But in real estate, when I, when I've looked at and I've bought real estate, now again, I'm the least handy guy in the world. My wife tried to hire a plumber to replace toilet seats. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just trying to give you a perspective. Um, I don't ever worry about that because the real estate that I've bought, I've, I've hired a great property manager for 8% to 10%, depending on how much real estate I own. Um, and so, you know, maybe talk about and eliminate that fear or that scarcity mindset somebody might have of, Hey, I can't invest in real estate because I, you know, I don't have some, you know, I have those skills or something. So Jim, just going back to the plumber example, yeah. you need to flip it back on Kelly and say, yeah. no, I'm hiring the plumber to replace the toilet seat because I can make four times as much in that hour than what I'm playing that plumber, right? That's what you got to go back. Hey, you know, I, it's funny you say that because I tell everybody that I don't mow my lawn. I don't do those things because I know that if I, if I want to work, which I right. consider mowing my lawn working, then I can make a lot more money doing what I do than, than mowing my lawn. Now, some people, we won't- so much better at it too, right? Huh? Give it to somebody who's better at it too. That's right. And I'm not very good at it. You know, being straight and getting straight lines in my yard. I'm uh, uh, Now, does it bother me that the guys that are mowing my lawn are there about 15 minutes because they've got three stand-up mowers that are cruising around there at 30 miles an hour, it seems like? No, it doesn't. Sometimes it does bother me, but, but I, I negotiate a pretty good deal. My, my yard guy, by the way, I pay him annually. Guess when I pay him? When? December. There you go. You know why? Because he's starving in December. Yeah, he is. And I'm getting a good deal. So, so and, but what you're just talking about there, I think really uh, is the scarcity and abundance yeah. mindset and, um, 
and property management. Uh, so if you find a good property manager and, 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 and I'm not going to talk about what they should be paid because I think the law kind of prohibits that, but the, a good property management manager is going to be able to, um, is going to be able to justify their value. And it's the same thing you just talked about. You can try to do this and save whatever percentage you're paying a property manager, but A, is that the highest and best use of your time? Do you have the talent and the tools to be able to do it at, the, at as high of a level as that what they're going to be able to do it and to provide the experience for the tenants or for you as the investor that you would be able to do? So, you know, everyone has the right to sell their house for sale by owner, to do their own taxes, to use E-Trade and invest in whatever, you know, they can all do that on their own. But a true professional is always going to be worth what they're paid and they can justify that based off, hey, this is how you've been going about it. Let's look at it from a different perspective. Let's use my team of people. Let's look at, you know, what, what I have available so that you can free up the time and go do the things that you need to do to help, uh, you know, either increase the value to your day or increase the value of your life. You know, I, I, I could think about you know, property management, the time that the normal person spends on property management could be time that they're spending with their kids, could be time that they're spending <clears throat> at work with their spouse, whatever else. And, and really it's the, if you're not equipped to do it, you're just gonna make a lot of mistakes. So right. that, that scarcity mindset of, um, of, hey, I wanna to try to manage this myself. It's something you really need to think about and, and then try to find the right person. And if you need help, you know, we can actually help you find those people um, and connect you with a Buffini agent in your market. If That's you, what I was just gonna say. One of the things that I've been impressed with with uh, the Buffini organization and the Buffini agents that I've talked to, primarily starting with you, is that um, you've referred me to a couple of professionals at other places uh, other locations in the United States, and they've always been great. I think you've referred me two or three people that uh, um, are part of the White Hat uh, yep. organization with Buffini, and they've been outstanding. You know, when you think about breaking away financially, and now we kind of move to current day, and and you know, profit first, and you know that that whole concept. Maybe talk a little bit about how that's impacted your. Uh, practice management so profit first if people aren't familiar with that book it's a um awesome by the way people think about a financial book it's actually a really good audible listen if you want to it might even be better an audible than it is reading it so and there's not a lot of financial books that you can say that about but uh mike michalowicz is very entertaining um and throughout the whole thing but he talks about um what's what's the in the accounting world it's gaap right the general acceptable yeah, yeah. accepted accountable uh, principles or whatever else yep. and it's generally accepted just like the way that we look at money is generally accepted or the people that look at real estate is generally accepted well the reality is that generally accepted is broken nelson okay. says the majority's never been right about anything exactly right <laughs> majority's gonna if you follow the follow the herd you're gonna end up fat sick uh, poor, you know, whatever else and yeah. making someone else a lot of money. But if you're willing to go against the uh, swim upstream and think about things a little bit differently, then you can be, um, put yourself in a really good situation. And this is where uh, Mike McCallowitz in his book, Profit First, wants you to flip the switch. Instead of looking at your revenue minus your operating expenses, minus your taxes, and that equals your profit, what happens if you took, you had your revenue and you went ahead and said, no, I'm here because I'm in business and I'm going to go ahead and take my profit out first, hence the name profit first. And I'm going to take 
or whatever your profit margin is, I'm taking that out first. And then I'm going to take out money for my taxes. And then I'm going to take out money for my compensation because I'm sure that being in the small business realm, we meet a lot of small business owners who are not paying themselves. Right. And then whatever's left over, that's how much money I have to operate my business. And this, you all talk about the Parkinson's law all the time, right? We're going to use what's available to us. Well, if, if we think about what's available to us, like a tube of toothpaste, and the first squeeze out of that tube of toothpaste is using operating expenses, well, you're going to squeeze that tube of toothpaste and, and use that money. And so at the end of the day, there's not that owner's compensation. There's not that profit. For some people, April 15th is a surprise every year, and there's not even the money for taxes. You know, show me a small business owner who hasn't had uh, tax problems, and I'll tell you, I'll show you a small business owner who hasn't been in business very long. What's April uh, 15th, Mike? That's tax day. Oh, actually, I thought that was October 15th. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Maybe for us we follow extensions, that's right, yes. Oh, yeah. we, we must be on a different schedule. <laughs> no, no, I'm doing <laughs> October 15th too. But the normal person thinks of April 15th, right? Oh. So the, um, but now if you go ahead and you take all that stuff out first and you plan for all that stuff, I'm taking out my profit, I'm taking out my compensation, I'm taking out money for my taxes. And now what I have left over for operating expenses is the, into the roll of toothpaste. Well, we've all had that roll of toothpaste that's towards the end. And we've been able to make that thing last for weeks and weeks and weeks just because we have to be a little bit more intentional. Right. And that, the whole profit first thing is about making you get to that point where you have to be a little bit more intentional with your operating expenses and knowing that you've already taken out your compensation, you've already taken out your profit, you've already got your money for your taxes. And so the stress level from that um, is that, that takes away too is really uh, impactful. Nick, that and reminds so me- of a book, go ahead. Um, what, what book would we say that that would relate to and somebody's just their personal or their family's life? I was thinking of uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, another, by the way, Brian Buffini will tell people about that book so much so that the bookstores where he was speaking would stock The Richest Man in Babylon in the bookstores knowing that people would hear him talk about it wow. and then they would come to the bookstore looking for The Richest Man in Babylon. And that book is uh, exactly right. Like if, if you read The Richest Man in Babylon and Profit First, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of the same. One's going to be, you know, ancient times right. and one's going to be a little more relevant to today, but that's the same principles because principles don't change, tactics do. And um, those principles are about paying yourself first are always going to be uh, a, a key to success. So, so one of the things that we talk about you know, we talk about the financial problems, you know, the, the interest that you're paying other people, which, which you've been really responsible. Uh, and I know, I know you're not uh, shy about that per se, but hey, you guys have not been a debt family. You know, Chrissy, both of you all have, have uh, had good practices like that. But what you were experiencing was that lost opportunity cost of paying cash. Right. And here we had talked about uh, infinite banking and taking control of your finances for a number of years, but it just wasn't clicking. And when you read Profit First and started thinking uh, kind of along those lines, that's, well, that's what I heard from you is you, you kind of put uh, some things together um, about how you could solve the lost opportunity cost, uh, leverage those dollars for, you know, really generations to come and, and maximize those dollars uh, to be able to put back to work for your family and for your business. Um, yeah, it's can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, specifically, like, so if you look at the profit first mindset, you've got these buckets that you're supposed to put money into. So all the money, all the revenue comes in one bucket, and then it gets dispersed out to these four other buckets. Buckets, Like I said, goes first to the profit bucket, 
then to the tax bucket, owner's compensation bucket, and then to the operating expense bucket. And so my compensation bucket and my um, operating expense bucket has to be fairly accessible. I got to be able to write checks and pay people and all the other stuff. However, I know that if the profit bucket and the tax bucket are too accessible, well then <clears throat> bad times, slow times come around and the, you know, all of a sudden you, you want to dip into those things. You're going to pay it back. I mean, you're obviously going to pay it back, right? I mean, we would all, we're going to pay it back, but you're basically um, knowing that the, the uh, temptation of having those two accounts be accessible. Uh, they need to be accessible, but they can't be like, I can just go online and transfer money accessible. Right. So I um, immediately thought of like, okay, this is Mike McCowick doesn't talk about this part. This is the me taking this to the next level. It's like, all right, well, I want to use my, I want to use the infinite banking system to, for my profit bucket and for my tax bucket. And the funny thing is, is the way that Mike talks about these two buckets, it, the infinite banking system, especially in the beginning, really sets up really well because, um, and I, I, for example, when I put a, a dollar into my, my banking system, I don't, I don't have a dollar that I have access to right now because we're not efficient yet. But that helps me because I now know that if I got 60% that I can use for my taxes, well, the other 40% is my profit. You know, and it just helps me, I can't touch it. And it helps that build just the way that it needs to build. And then as we go on further and further, you know, the amount of money that's available to us and by putting that money into motion and by letting it grow and knowing all the good things that we can do with that, um, it's, it's really empowering. You know, I mean, ideally we get to a point one day where we're running the majority of our banking, of, of our operating expenses through our banking system. Um, and making it really work for us because then, you know, it's a debt that our business has to pay back to ourselves. And it's just this, when you control the money, you control the game and it just helps us really kind of grow in more ways. Cre it creates another revenue stream. So, so when you think of that and you think of buying real estate and combining the infinite banking concept and investing in real estate, the one thing that I noticed that happens actually sooner than you would think is the revenue that you have flowing back into your banking system, it starts to come back faster than you think it is, which grows your banking system. You have to build more room for it. And, um, you know, what, what really works well is, you know, if you think about what our goal is, is our goal is to have passive income coming in that exceeds our ideal standard of living. And, yeah. Right? I, I will, And I love, like, the, you know – the traditional way to look at retirement is I want to put myself in a tax deferred account. And I always thought about that. I was like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why would I want to pay taxes later on? Right. Why would I want to pay tax? Like, I don't think my taxes are going down. I think they're going up. Yeah. You don't want I don't, I don't want, I know for example, yeah. for a fact that a dollar being taxed on a dollar today is going to be completely different than being taxed, even at the same percentage than a dollar later on in life. Right. And, you know, so the argument is, well, well, you're going to be at a lower tax bracket. You're not going to be making as much money. It's like, well, that sounds terrible. Like, why, yeah. why am I working you're so doing hard it later wrong. on? Yeah. To, I am not doing it right for sure if I'm making less money when I want to retire. Like, I want to retire and, like, not have any worries in the world. Like, I want to be able to go freaking – when you retire, which I don't know will ever really happen, I, I always talk about in terms of, like, someday I want to be able to go live in Italy for three months. If I want to go live in Italy for three months, I've right. got the forces to do that. And, um, 
and that whether or not I ever truly retire, you know, I don't ever see that happening. I think I always kind of. You know what the definition of retirement is? What? To take out of service. You can be taken out of service. Well, absolutely. You're exactly right. We see that in the horse industry here all the time. So yeah, yeah exactly. It's not a good thing when they take you out of service, right? You don't want to um, go to the glue factory. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that we look at, um, at create tailwind is really when we're coaching somebody is we're trying to get them to where they have choices, right? We have to have our money flowing to us. And the more money we have gives us choices, which gives us freedom. And we don't really want to retire to where we don't want to be of service because we might find something that we want to do. And more often than not, it's profitable, right? Owning real estate, owning businesses, um, whatever it is. And, um, but what we want is we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Like you said, I want to go to Italy. Well, you know, the, the infinite banking system is, is the way it's your money pool that you control it's your bank. But one of the things you said about profit first is everybody that's sitting there in the audience today, if you don't own a business, just think of your family because your family is a small business and you may work for a big company and get a paycheck, but you run your family or you should like a business, which means you should have profit first, which means you should pay yourself first, right? Absolutely. I mean, more so than that, like I, my family likes to go on adventures. Like we like to go explore. Well, that doesn't, that's not, you can do it on the, you can go to a national park and have a great experience. Don't get me wrong and do it cheaper. Right. But it's still, no matter what, it's going to take money. And if I'm just working and we're just making ends meet and whatever else, and I'm missing out on it. I have a kid in high school and a kid in sixth grade and I'm quickly realizing that you know, everyone talks about how fast it goes and you really don't have that much time with your kids to really do these things. I'm, I'm starting, I'm getting to the point where I'm realizing how much time, little time we have. And I, I don't want to spend that time where they think, oh, dad's always working so that we can have, you know, Catholic schools and all this other stuff. I want to, I want us to be able to go take, do some adventures. I want us to be able to go out and really live life and have a quality of life. That's really important. So what if you could teach them never to have to go into a commercial bank the rest of their lives? Uh, that would be, um, you know, they have a purpose, but yeah. at least where they don't have to go in a commercial bank and ask for a loan. You know, where yeah, the commercial absolutely. bank is a is just a person that's just kind of helping transition money from it's a vehicle more than it is a a growth um, yep. opportunity or a debt. Right, Mike, hey, we gotta we gotta start putting a bow on this, but so. You have been really instrumental in introducing to me a lot of books and kind of unlocking that in me. Um, and people in Kentucky can read. I just want to put that out there. See, <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, it's it's a little cliche to say, "Hey, what are your favorite books?" But I, what I want to know is, what's the top three books that you give away? Well, The Go Giver is the number one book that I gave away, and so much so I've given it to both of you all. I think, and now you all give it away to people. Um, that has been, um, the, I've just ordered 16 copies yesterday and I continually, you know, I've probably given out close to hundred copies of the go-giver. Yep. So Bob Berg, you can send me my, my residual check whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I have, I'm getting ready to give away. Nick's going to get one. He doesn't even know it is Andy Andrews, the little things. Um, I'm just, you know, it's a really good perspective on how, on the, what are the little things that you should sweat? 
you know, that you should sweat the little things that kind of go into, um, yeah. And from that conversation came the the idea that uh, you want to compete at a level where your competition doesn't realize the game's being played. Yep. <clears throat> and um, that's probably number two. I am when people try to come to me and they try to get into a personal development routine. This has been the the greatest gift this entire journey has given to me is when I went into business for myself. I had to quickly run, learn, like Jim Rohn says, I can I need to go to work on myself if I really want to become the, my best version. Yeah. of who I want to be. Um, and the great, a great book to help people start off with that is called the miracle morning. Don't get the miracle morning for whatever, just get the, just the original miracle morning book. Yeah. Um, that book has been really instrumental just to get in those daily, um, routines, uh, of what you're doing. So that's probably the next cool. one that I'd probably refer out the most. I, I, ref, I do that a lot though. You're like Nick says. So, yeah, well, they, so, I appreciate that. Go ahead, Jim. No, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna go ahead, Nick here's the thing, you know, obviously we, we teach about, uh, you know, driving towards financial independence. Uh, we teach out of a book, our, our mentor, our friend, uh, Nelson Nash, who you've had the, the opportunity to meet and, and uh, talk with a little bit. He was on, uh, he was our first guest on this podcast. And, and I know that, uh, uh, your wife has read it a couple of times and, and I know you've stolen a couple more copies from me here recently is uh, uh, becoming your own banker. And sure. one thing that we always offer on here is the opportunity to get a free copy. If you go to our website, createtailwind.com up in the top right, it says schedule a webinar. And uh, all we're doing is teaching. We'll give you an overview of that book and uh, mail you a, a free copy. So that's just the, uh, I, I know that you have that in your library, at your office for people to check out. And we appreciate you having that in there for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I actually need to get the the one for the accountant from uh, Laura uh, because I know my accountant was asking about that the other day. She didn't shy away from it. She's like, yeah, let's figure out what we're doing. Let's know how to maximize. I was like, all right, that's how you know you have the right people. My banker yeah. at the commercial bank was like all about the profit first and all about us doing the IBC thing. And, yeah. um, and then the accountant was on too. So. I always tell people accounts either love IBC or they hate it. And the accountants that love it are innovative and creative and, uh, and they are uh, trying to help you grow. Um, the accounts that hate it are, um, they like to fill, fill out forms and they're very uh, black and white of here's how you fill out the form. But, uh, you know, wrapping this up, Mike, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights into not only Buffini, but Abundance. Um, profit first, all the information, great information. And um, if, if anyone in the audience grabs those books, reads those books, they, they're going to be way ahead by reading the books that Mike has mentioned and that he refers. Um, and uh, the, the, the book that we would say is the, the textbook, the best book still written about infinite banking out of any of the books out there is, and it's a, it's a must read if you want to be your own banker, is Infinite Bank, uh, is uh, How to Become Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. Um, but thank you uh, for everybody for joining us. Nick, thank you uh, as always for co-hosting and uh, um, have a great day, guys. And uh, we'll look uh, forward to talking to you soon. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.